work, that work is a vehicle to help you achieve greater things. Hi, and welcome to Solved It, the show where we explore big, impossible problems and talk to the people who solve them. I'm Karen Worthy, your host, and I'm excited to have you here. Let's get started. Today, we'll be talking with Janae Norman. Not only is she an amazing HR and people leader, she is also a recent winner of the Chart Hot People Pioneers Award. Congratulations, Janae. I can't wait to chat with you today. Thank you. Same to you. There's a lot of things that you've done in your career. I'd love to start with your early career and what challenges you saw early on in your career that kind of led up to where you are today. I think early career, it was, this is the way we've always done things. So this is the way we continue to do them and having to fit into a mode of assimilating into a culture rather than bringing my own individuality. I think that's, I think what pushed the millennial workforce to be who they are today is we were supposed to assimilate. We're going to be in the same job for 40 years. This is it. We go home, we go to work, and that is all there is to life. And really having to push and challenge that mold of like, no, I don't want to do this forever. Exactly. You talk about staying with the same company forever. I legitimately started my first job out of college and my goal was to retire from that company. And I did not have a different goal. It took a lot of different circumstances aligning for me to leave that company. Um, And I'm so glad I did. I learned a ton from that company, but I'm also have learned a ton since then. And so It's just different than it was. I think that's what they had us thinking out of college. Like college was at four years of just homogeneous. This is what you need to know to do good business. And I think I was the same way at my first company. Oh, once I make it to this great level or once I get to this job title, I've made it. Or once I'm making this amount of money, especially at that company, because you have people that have been like, my granddad's granddad worked here and look where we all are now. And these essences of generational wealth without realizing some of those levers that they had had to use, we don't have them anymore. Now we have credit scores and we have overdraft fees and all of these once in a lifetime experiences that we continue to have every four to five years at this point. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so many different things that have been once in a lifetime experiences that have happened in like the last 10 years or 20 years. Oh, Uh, like how many, like it's world changing or view changing things do I have to go through before? All right. This seems a little bit normal. I think, I think I'm a little bit numb to it. I remember I was like, I'll just talk about pandemic for a second here. And I know most people are over it, but I was so like in shock in 2020. I was like, oh my gosh, the world is ending and this is having this happen. I'm here in 2023. I'm like, yeah, just throw whatever at me. I'm okay. Like, it'll be fine. I got this. I got, same thing. Like 2020 was supposed to be this year that everything for my adult life was like coming together. So I was graduating with my MBA and my family was going to come see me graduate and it turned into a virtual class and I graduated via YouTube and then I was supposed to be getting married and we had been planning it for two years and like, ah, well, hopefully you can get married in the next year too. May the odds forever be in your favor. But it was really like, oh no how do I do this new way of thinking? Because yeah. I planned out my life and the pandemic said, ha ah, psych, it's not what we're doing anymore. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So you got your MBA in 2020. Tell me a little bit about your early career. So have you always been in HR? What was your journey like? Oh, you know what? I just very impractical. Like a lot of people say they fell into HR. I have been in HR since my senior year of high school. So I did a summer internship at a life insurance company and I rotated through risk management and HR and it was just 
HR stuck, it was like me using my extroverted personality to help people in the business. I was like, all right, this is something I can get behind. So you are in HR, you're loving it, you're extroverted, you're helping people. Tell me about something that kind of um, kind of struck you from your early career, something that kind of gave you pause or challenge early on. Understanding that as a Black woman in corporate America, I was given different goalposts. I think it came out when I joined like my first company right out of college. I had done six HR internships. I had won awards for being this dynamic person. I had had lunches and dinners and mentors be CHROs and VPs of HR. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be easy peasy. And then I get to the program and there's a person that may have had two years of like staffing and recruiting experience. I'm like, now, wait a minute. This isn't what this isn't what I expected in terms of like this high caliber program is supposed to be super competitive. And I get there and it, there isn't it isn't level across what I thought it was supposed to be. We both had the same degree, but oh, you went to this university and I went to this one. So it's a different pedigree and really having to learn that it's not based on merit alone. It may just be nepotism or network. That's a tough lesson to learn, especially so young in your career. But I think it made it better because I had mentors who were along the way that really just showed me, like, in spite of all those things, you can still be successful. You just have to know what those roadblocks look like and really having to take time to sit with myself. I think, like, I, I cried to my parents. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, what what else am I supposed to be doing outside yeah. of going above and beyond And it was really just about, it's not me, it's them. So how do I make sure that it's okay to feel disappointed and frustrated, but it's not okay to be riding that emotional roller coaster that is based on external circumstances that I can't control. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you said really stuck with me is you had good mentors to help you through that. Like it helps so much to be able to have someone who's been there, done that and walked through that because there's so many unwritten rules in these types of professions. And there's so many things that are, you just know what you're supposed to do, except some of us don't just know what we're supposed to do. How did you go about finding those mentors? You know what? (laughs) Most times I found them by asking. I was very outgoing in college like one of my first mentors she was in the internship program I was in and she was one of the HR leaders and she was like I see this light in you and she gave me this glowing review and then she took me to my first Sherm lunch and then I found two more mentors and they stay with me all through college we have lunch at least once a month and just catch up and they really just empowered me to like go do whatever you decide to do so having strong mentors like that and then at John Deere, I think it was more about a balance of both, like those mentors finding me and then me finding those mentors. So like hearing them talk, seeing their experiences and really just saying, hey, I want to be where you are. How did you do what you did and how can I be there? And most of them gravitated towards because I wasn't disingenuous about what I wanted. It's like, I am just trying to figure this out. Like I had moved from Alabama to Iowa, which is a complete, it was a complete culture shock to me um, in terms of like, not knowing how to drive in the snow or being on my own for the first time and really just having to navigate adult life without my parents. And they were there to be that. But I think it's really about standing up and asking, like, I don't have all the answers. Can you help me? 
I think that's so profound. And a lot of people are waiting for some mentorship program to happen or some mentor to come tap them on the shoulder, like, hi, I want to be your mentor. But it usually doesn't happen like that. Usually you have to go ask. So you, we're talking about John Deere. So did you start out at John Deere or where did you go from there? Oh, yeah. So I started off at John Deere. I went through the HR leadership development program. It's a rotational program designed to take HR graduates and making global HR business partners. So really rotating through all the facets of HR to have like more of that grounded experience that I got from my internships. And I've been there for four years. And I think a little while ago, we talked about circumstances that make you realize like, huh, you probably aren't supposed to be in the environment that you are in. And there have been instances where I've been skipped over for promotions or I thought I deserved something and I didn't get it. Or there was things that are being said. I'm like, that doesn't feel right. And then it was that ultimate moment that I got laid off and I'm like, oh, well, this is the sign that somebody is a higher power is trying to tell me to go away. And I just didn't listen until, all right, fine, I'll push you out the door. You have nothing else to do if I push you out the door. And that really was the first moment that I had to sit down with myself and figure out what I do in those scenarios and not internalize the situation. Like I'm going to scream my frustration and then I'm going to bounce back. So it was really figuring out that next step of my self-worth, which led me to launch Empower People, my consulting firm, because I was like, it doesn't have to be traditional HR. I don't have to use the same systems. I don't have to use the same processes. And I could work with startups who were moldable to understanding like people ops is that cultural steward to where you can make sure employees are empowered to do their best work and here are the programs and processes that you can use to do that so i love this you took something that really does feel like an impossible situation you were laid off from your dream job you were trying to figure out this and you really took it and like started most people would like just start hitting the apply button on everything but you took this and started your own business with this that must have been scary how are you feeling at that point Oh my gosh. Um, I think I had a false sense of bravado because I got my MBA. I ran a, a business that sold medicine or bikes. Like I know how this is supposed to run. I know the basics. And if anybody that tells you, oh, you have to make sure you set up your taxes correctly and your LLC, like now there's YouTubes and podcasts and TikToks that basically tell you all of that. But I think I was more in a, a learning mode. So I think it would felt really impossible and awkward and just out of my skin until I took that first step of like reaching out to a company and saying, hey, I see you got a round of funding. Um, I see you need people operations. I don't think you have an employee and book. This is where I could help you. And that first company just taking a chance on me and saying like, hey, I, I think you could help us. Like, let's see what you got. And then me being able to go in and just meet with those types of leaders and get that first sort of consulting gig under my belt and being like, oh, wait, this isn't as bad or as onerous as I thought it was, it, it was just very uncomfortable. And you just got to lean into the discomfort and the uncomfortableness and close your eyes and jump. Is that the advice? <laughs> you know, you know, and also have a good accountant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would probably be my next step is like, yes, I'm going to jump, but make sure I'm jumping correctly outside of just maybe like, oh, that false sense of like, I think it is millennial bravado. Like I can conquer the world. I can do anything. And we had watched founders and co-founders start these huge companies out of the garage. And it was this sense of, I can do it too, without recognizing like what came along with it. 
Yeah, I think we can, we all believe at one point that we can do anything. And sometimes that helps us because we jump in and do things we don't know we can't do and figure out we can do them along the way. But we got, you're right, we do have to watch out for the things that we don't know for sure. So one of the things we were talking about before we jumped on this was this impossible problem around how do you have this self, and I'm probably going to phrase it wrong, but like, how do you have this ability to think about yourself, not just in terms of your job title, think about yourself, not just in terms of the company you work for. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about how this kind of came about in your mind. It was, and I won't take all the credit. It was really just at a point in my life where very transparent, I was turning 30. I had the house and the husband and the VP of people job title. Like that was it. I made it. And I had the amount of money that I wanted to be making. And this was this was a culmination of what I was supposed to be doing with my life and what everybody had told me. I checked every box I was supposed to for the age of 30. All right, I'm done. And then I had a therapy session. And then she was basically like, well, what are you going to do next? Like, what, what, what's, what now? And I'm like, well, I did it. Like, I got the degrees. I, I, I did You're it. Done. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. Like, this is the rest of my life. And it was that question that really grounded me in, like, who am I outside of those things that society told me that I needed? And, like, the role that I was in, it wasn't a good fit. It was really bumping up against a wall of, like, I know I'm saying the right thing. I don't know how to say it a different way. And really reaching a point to where I was like, I I can't physically, emotionally, spiritually do this anymore. And having to take a step back and reevaluate what it means to have a detachment when it comes to my self-worth and my career. And I was burnt out. I knew it wasn't sustainable. And my body was telling me that as well. So it was really just about taking a step back and having the moment to just breathe. So 30th birthday, went to Belize. I did cruises. I just completely did not think about work no job interviews, like completely unplugged and really spent an incredible amount of time in industry G just reinvesting in myself outside of my work and how I considered myself important in the world. So I'm going to ask you some tactical questions because I'm very much a like, tell me exactly how you did that type of girl. So you were not working at this point when you went to Belize and when you're going through this transformation. Did you have like a whole bunch of money saved up so that you weren't stressed about that? Or how did you go about actually making sure that was feasible and possible? Yep. So I definitely had savings, but I also had a package that really made it easier. If you don't have the money, please don't go do this. Don't lose your house. (laughs) Like it was very real. And then I had a partner who understood what I was going through. My husband understood. I was like, all right, let's figure it out. We went to our financial planner. How long can we feasibly do this before it starts to hurt? And he's like, well, you're fine until February, March of next mm-hmm. year. If you still want to have the amount of savings that you feel comfortable about. And it was like, okay, well, we had already paid for the vacation. We had already known what, what else I was going to do. So it was really just about making sure that you at least have someone in your corner who's not going to tell you, all right, you got time to blow every piece of penny in your saving. Like, <laughs> just go ahead and do it. You got this. And really thinking about what you can live without. Like there are some things that I think like salary creep, like, oh, I need to make sure I'm getting massages. I need to go get the best hair products. And, you know, looking at TikTok, I need all of these things that they told me to go out and buy. 
without recognizing like, oh, I spent $600 on nonsense that I'm going to give away in two months. So really having a level set and create sort of that, those boundaries within yourself and really figuring out how it's going to work and having a realistic adult budget and not a YOLO budget. It's so important. And make sure you are checking in with your budget every month as well. So you're like, oh, I thought I was going to spend this amount of money. Did I actually spend that amount of money? And sometimes that's surprising because it might not actually be what you thought you were going to spend. No, no. Or even just having the right banking apps. I think that made mm-hmm. such a difference. And last year, I will say I probably had a YOLO budget. Like, oh, I'm making this amount of money. Like, there's no cares in the world. I'm only going to be able to do this once. And then a little printout from the bank that gives you about like how much you spent on entertainment or shopping or groceries. I'm like, oh no, this money amounted to absolutely nothing but me having fun. Like what did I leverage from this besides, yes, I had the memories, but then I'm like, man, that was a lot of money to be just spending on going. (laughs) (laughs) Totally get that. Okay, so you've got this time period where you are self-reflecting. You've got enough financial security where you are not stressed about the bills and keeping the roof over your head. Okay, so you are, how long were you between jobs as you were going through this? So I start a new job next week. So maybe second week of November until next Monday. Congratulations. That's awesome. (laughs) Oh, yeah, super excited. Like, I think it's important. Like, even through that process of recognizing what I wanted in my next job and being very intentional in my job search around work, like having a company that has the same values, has good benefits, understands the importance of people operations, has leadership and legal counsel in place that can help Mm -hmm. with that. And a company that didn't back down from very serious questions I was asking about the role and tokenism. And I'm not, doing free work I'm not doing a work assignment like having those things all culminate yeah. together and seeing how companies reacted and being intentional about that I think made a world of difference this time around I know there are a lot of people who are listening that were part of those layoffs that happened back in November December and even January they're still going on um how would you like any advice that you would have from your job search and your process going through that for them as they're if they are still going through that and haven't found that perfect job yet taking time to sit with it like sit with the grief when you think to yourself I just got laid off I'm not gonna get the same praise like I'm watching other people get jobs like your well-being has become dependent on how other people behave rather than how you feel about yourself Don't feel like you have to go out and do something or be overly critical of yourself and figure out how to make your sense of self-worth an unshakable tree that is grounded no matter what happens throughout your career. I know it's easier said than done. I mean, I had the money and resources to be able to do that. And some people don't. So maybe you find a bridge opportunity that gives you time where I understand this job. It may not be the management level that I was used to, but this is something I could just be comfortable in getting regrounded to where I am to having that inner stillness to figure out what I want to do next. Nothing wrong with a bridge opportunity. It pays the bills. It keeps you sane while you're looking for that perfect opportunity. Nothing wrong with that at all. So I know I'm going to touch on a hot topic here for a second. You said that you, one of your criteria was no work assignments or job assignments as part of the interview process. I would love to hear a little bit about how you actually did that. 
Oh yeah. Um, I have an email template that I'll send. I'll be very transparent. The first time that someone mentions an assignment, and I will say if it's an unpaid assignment, if the company is paying you for your time, go for it. But if it's an unpaid assignment, I will send an email template. And the template basically says like, especially if it's a startup, how do I know you're not going to use my work for your company and I'm going to miss out on it? Because there's no guarantee that you're going to do give me this job. And most times for HR leadership, VP of people, head of people, help us plan out our staffing strategy for the next six months. Exactly. If you were in this role, how you would you structure the HR department? What would your budget be? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, that's the first 90 <laughs> days of my job. I'm not giving you the information yep. free so you can hire someone who you think fits that mold but uses my work. And I will send that back. Have you ever had a company that you sent that email to and they're like, oh, well, we still want to talk to you and we still want to have you move forward in the process anyway? Yep. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I think I people are like- scared. <laughs> I think people are scared to send that email. <laughs> I, you know what? And I think the first time I sent it, I'm like, oh, they're just going to knock me out of the process and I'm going to have a job. I think you said it earlier too. Like if they don't listen when you push back like that and you're doing it I'm sure I haven't seen the template but I'm sure you're doing it politely and respectfully and all of that kind of stuff and so if you if they don't listen when you do that are they really the company you want to work for and I think that's such an insightful thing that you said earlier and I mean same thing with the questions you ask in the interview here's what I've experienced so far in my career I would not like to experience that again how do you advocate for people ops or diverse leadership and they're like oh well you know we're really, we don't have it right now, but we're working on it. Like, I don't want to be the first person to teach you how you're supposed to do that or figure out like, yeah, we don't have diversity, equity, and inclusion yet, but we know you can help us along the way. Like, no, I don't, that's not just on people ops or the diversity in your organization. Like, what are you doing right now to really spearhead unlearning your unconscious bias and really acknowledging how there are different gaps and pillars that people have to go through in being in a startup if they're not doing it right now they're probably not going to do it once you get hired in people don't change like that that quickly and if there are there they've already started the change before you get to that point if they're really going to do it same thing with putting money behind it like are Mm -hmm. you actually do you have a budget for people ops or is it sort of thrown off the side (laughs) am i using google spreadsheets or do i have an hris like what does it look like for me to join the organization it's a great question. If there's something you really care about at the company, ask them what's the budget assigned to this particular department or this particular initiative. And if they kind of hem and haw or they're like, oh, well, we're going to figure that out. That tells you something. <laughs> it tells you to run. <laughs> <laughs> this has been such a great conversation. I would love to switch over if you're ready for it to the rapid fire questions. Okay. I will, I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do fine. All right. So First question and full transparency, I'm a very avid reader. And so I love this question. and I love reading everything that everyone recommends. What is a great book that you have read recently? Who I read it during my time off and it is Managing Narcissists and Blamers by Mark Murphy. Like, I think I've been through so many environments where I'm just like, I'm being emotionally manipulated or other people are. And I know I'm not doing this wrong. I'm not aggressive real happy most of the times like how are you getting this out of whatever I just told you outside of your bias around what I brought to the table and your lack of acknowledging what went wrong or having that sense of self to recognize like oh no this is a me issue not a them so really reading that book and being like all right having a script for these types of conversations learning what to do in terms of next steps rather than oh 
this isn't working. <laughs> so oh, I now I have to go read that book now because <laughs> I totally need that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. I will, for those listening, I'll put that in the show notes as well, but I love that. Okay. What is your favorite podcast to listen to? Obviously excluding this one. If it is an HR people, I've played it podcast. I love listening to, um, living corporate. Like, I think it's one of my favorite podcasts. They talk, Zach talks to a lot of the people that at some point I want to meet or learn more about and just understand their own journey. And then the other one that I read for like pleasure, because like, why not is probably one murder at a time (laughs) because I am a true crime fan at some point. Like if I ever needed to Sherlock Holmes something I I'm going I'm going to figure it out like I'm going to know what to look for and there you go that podcast. well and you have to have that balance too it's not just work all the time no no not <laughs> at all <laughs> All right. One of the things I'm always doing is I am always trying to learn something new. I'm always trying to improve myself in some way, shape or form. Sometimes it's work related. Sometimes it's not. What are you currently working on for self-improvement right now? I took it upon myself at the start of the year, of course, new year, new me. Why not? And I have been going to CrossFit for the past six weeks. So doing exercise outside of just like, oh, I'll go work out when I have time. So building that into my everyday routine. I've cut out a lot of alcohol. I think one of the things about startups is very alcohol driven and you sort of have this dependency on like, if I'm not drinking at a work function, I'm not having fun. And then having time to really just be with myself. So having a journal of gratitude, I think makes such a difference that I didn't have before of, I guess I can be grateful for having a roof over my head but no I'm grateful because I woke up and my dogs are okay and my mom is fine and really having to live with that outside of just the tangible things that we can see and feel and touch every day and really detaching away from I think over identifying with this is the way I'm meant to be successful. The journal of gratitude, I think, is one of those really impactful things as well, because it helps you to reflect on what you are thankful for. I can't tell you how many times I look around. I'm like, I am so blessed that I have these kids that are healthy. I have this husband who is healthy. Like we have enough money to put food on our table. Like I am so appreciative of that. All right. Last question. What is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's facing an impossible problem? I think take time to figure out what you want to learn from that problem. Um, of course with practice, it becomes easier. And I think it's really about if it relates to a problem at work, that work is a vehicle to help you achieve greater things and you should be able to feel safe and even have fun along the way, but it shouldn't dictate what you're supposed to do next. Even just pausing to take time to think about what you want to get out of this problem, what you want to learn is so impactful. So many times when we have an impossible problem, we're just like, oh no, everything's on fire. I got to jump in and do it immediately. And I don't pause to think. And so I love that. Oh, wow. So I have really appreciated this conversation, Janae. Thank you so much. As always, such a great conversation. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really do think this is an amazing conversation. I hope someone can learn something from it.